Good morning, Jordan, and welcome back to another episode of the Mind Virus Podcast. My name, as you know, is Bobby Flood. Maybe our listeners don't know that. And your name is Jordan Bruno. And we are the Mind Virus Show. You can find us online at mindvirus.show as well as all your favorite podcast aggregators. September 27th, 2001. 2021. 2021, excuse me. I I've, just lost 20 years there. I've, I've made that same mistake. I think 2020 was easy. It just rolled off the tongue. 2021 isn't is kind of it's kind of a mouthful. I'm just dazed and confused. There's a Led Zeppelin song for you. And a movie. Oh yeah, is there a movie? Yeah, with uh Matthew McConaughey's in that movie. Um, okay, now I'm gonna have to. There's make a pretty notes. good. It's got a pretty good cast, and and a lot of them were kind of before they uh, were were superstars. There's What's a, it about? <laughs> there's a. It's, it's about if I remember right, some high school graduates who who aren't. Um, or really? maybe they're in high school, but they're not really graduating. <laughs> yeah, just kind of. It's one of those kind of teen summer movies, if I remember right. But there's a lot. And Matthew McConaughey's an older. He plays an older character, like he's two or three years out of high school, but he's mm-hmm. still kind of not moved on. And he's he's got a job with the city, so he thinks he's making a lot of money. And mm-hmm. I th- he has a terrible but funny line in there. He says something like, "You know why I like high school girls." Because even though I get older, they stay the same age. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Dazed and Confused is a good way to describe. That might be the title of the podcast today. It's a good, uh, yeah, it's a Led Zeppelin song. It's a movie. And I think it's an accurate state of uh, society in general right now. Well, yeah, I'm feeling it too. We just spent the last, what, half an hour talking about how we're feeling and I'm not sure where you the listeners are but it, it it can be kind of a downer out there yeah I mean especially I mean, if you're paying any attention to what's going on in the world I've, I've been contemplating that recently like how many how many people you know and just right re- regular people regular guys going to work every day or just doing their thing you know, I was driving down the freeway and I was kind of looking around at the cars around me and like how many of us, I think the vast majority of us have just kind of the pandemic, the restrictions, the propaganda, it's kind of blended or blurred into the background and we're just going about our lives. A lot of them are. And I actually think that's a problem because it it is allowing this stuff to to encroach deeper and deeper to march on into our lives. I mean, you see what's happening in Australia and New Zealand, which we have we have repeatedly warned about what's going on there and how they're the bellwether, the canary in the coal mine, the beta test for, well, and for one what's other, coming to the West. One other we need to add to that is Israel. Right. But keep going. Well, keep, keep, I, I just think that... that keep stream of consciousness. Too many, too many people have gone back to sleep. 
you know, last year. Well, they got to earn a living, Bobby. They got to get yeah, out. They got to do yeah. their stuff. And maybe we should title the podcast "Ignorance is Bliss." Well, I mean, that's yeah. it is bliss until you uh, are dropped into I've, the boiling. I know. Fire. I've called this. I've called this episode in American history that we're living through this last couple of years the carpet bombing of the American mind. And there literally have been so many bombs going off that that the regular people have to, you have to live your life, right? You have, at some point, you just have to live your life. And the problem is when the government begins to encroach, or corporations in this case, which own the government, begin to encroach, people then have to adjust. They either have to comply or work around it, right? They have to run around the the obstacles being put in their way. And the real fireworks don't really begin until the restrictions and the hurdles become so tyrannical and egregious that the regular Joes stop what they're doing, which is taking care of their business, right? You take care of your regular life and then when it gets bad, then you have to take up arms or protest or whatever. Right. And so we're starting to see that in, in certain parts of the world, but we're not seeing it a lot here in the United States, although there was some protesting against the vaccine mandates in New York. Mm-hmm. There's, there's been some pushback. I feel like we're living through a period in the scriptures, like in the Book of Mormon, there are some times when the the author, the compiler Mormon says... And in not so many years, the people became wicked or the blah, 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 you know? And right. right now we're like living through the not so many years. It's just taking a while for us because we're living through this carpet bombing, right? We're, we're like, look, you know, you climb out of your bunker for a minute and you're like, hey, oh, there's, there's some more bombs. Get back in. Or, or we got to go get some food, you know? It reminds me of um, last winter. I think it was last winter. The University of Utah put out a, they called it a study, it was more of a survey, where they, 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 they concluded that masks are keeping people safer at the grocery stores because people felt like they were safer at the grocery store, and they were more willing to go shopping with the, with the, at a store that enforced a mask mandate, and I just thought... That's absurd. What a dumb conclusion. No, but it's a grocery store. It, people need food. And they need food bad enough that they will put on the mask and go in and get their food. If you personally, you listeners, if you personally know of anyone who was making grocery store shopping decisions based on whether they had a mask policy, I mean, you personally need to know them. They can't just be like a Twitter acquaintance. Comment on the website, please. Let us know. Well, I thought if if we made people do a cartwheel out in front of the store before they were let in, people would do a cartwheel because... People need food, just like you've pointed out. People are taking care of their businesses. They're going to work because people need income so they can buy food, so they can pay mm-hmm. rent and mortgages and buy gasoline for their vehicles and clothes and live their lives. And so that's what's been one of the nefarious things about this is our basic survival, our basic lives are being held hostage to all of these absurdities. Like you can't go and do these basic things if you don't wear a mask. You can't do these basic things unless you come uh, during the uh, so during the uh, uh, senior citizen hours. Remember the grocery stores mm-hmm, had senior, yeah. senior citizen hours? You know, yeah. let, let the vulnerable people come out and infect each other rather than just... But 
And now, of course, it's the vaccine, and you can't go about your daily life without the vaccine. Well, now that that's a statement in progress, right? Like in in Utah, depends where, on where you live, right? Where this where this uh, broadcast, this recording is being made from the bunker here in the unnamed city in the great socialist state of Utah. Uh, we're not experiencing a significant amount of mandate there was i think some serious behind the scenes backlash with the legislature and uh well, if I, the governor not to be named if i understand right who by the way the governor hasn't been talked about in many episodes i want to point that out for bobby's I, sake it's true it's true and part of the reason is that he at least on on twitter i think he's backed off a little i still check in on him i wonder if he has some and, handlers like some media strategists who are like hey you're looking a lot like a a wannabe high school student body president, right. you know, you need to stop it's possible. it. If you want to get reelected, you need retwe- people to forget he re- that. He still is out there. He retweets like 40 things a day and you can kind of get a, a, a glimpse into his mindset from who and what he's retweeting. I mean, he hasn't changed. He's, he's still a true believer in the, in the masks and well, uh, anyway, in his own goodness, his own righteous, uh, uh, Virtue signaling mode. His own, uh, yeah, righteous, heavenly-based mandate to tell us how to live our lives. But he did retweet that. So, you know, the Utah Jazz is going to require proof of vaccination or proof of negative test to watch a basketball game or attend anything else at the arena, you know, concerts or anything else they might have. And Spencer Cox thought that was great news. So we're kind of in the in the the rollout. We're like in that middle area right now where we're seeing those restrictions, those mandates take effect in certain aspects of our lives and they're not as sweeping as perhaps in some of these terribly run socialist states like California and New York. But they're going to affect us and we're starting to see how they how they affect us and you know the these coastal states are, are going to face some serious problems because there are like hospital systems that are going to have to lay off 10 to 15% of their workforce because they won't get vaccinated. You well, know, they're, they're going to have to fire them. That happened in North Carolina. There's a hospital system that apparently is, is or did lay off like 350 or so employees who refused to get the vaccination. Now, I don't know... That's going to create a hospital problem. That's going to actually create a real problem. It'd be interesting to know, like, like take a big hospital. I don't know. Like, here in Utah, we've got a couple of really big hospitals, like the uh, the one up at the University of Utah is pretty big, or uh, there's a big one in St. George. But how many people that—I think we just think that anybody who works at a hospital is a doctor— or a nurse, but it's I'm, most mostly administrators. I'm sure it's got to be at least fifty percent administrators, right? Bookkeepers, I think so. accountants, marketing. Okay, well, not administrators, but you, okay, non-medical. Sixty-five percent of them are not doctors and nurses. These are like your, what would you call them, orderlies? These people, that, the social workers, the food nutritionists, 
If you've ever visited somebody in the hospital, you've probably been interrupted eight times by different people. I'm your nutritionist. Right. I'm your uh, reading specialist to make sure you have enough reading material. And they come in and... uh, I'm the jazz specialist to make sure that you're watching the jazz games. I think a lot of that... Are you able to tune to the right channels on your telephone? I think a lot of that just so they can crank up the bill. Said, oh well, you had a nutritionist and a readerist and a jazzist. And, I, I'm uh, the marketing specialist from Johnson and Johnson. Right. Has your Tylenol been f- uh, container been filled recently? Here's a bag of crap that you didn't ask for that you have to take home, and you're going to be charged for whether you take it home or not. So Eight hundred dollars. <laughs> right. So I don't know if this this hospital system in North Carolina, if they just got rid of people like that, or if I, you know, I, I doubt they. Well, I think it was just, they they it depends any, on who was vaccinated. They didn't fire any doctors because every doctor on the planet has been vaccinated, right? Except for the ones that won't get vaccinated. Well, they're not actually doctors then because every doctor on the planet's been vaccinated, right? Because the vaccine is safe and effective. It's how we get our lives back. It's safe and effective. It's how we get our... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Break out of it. My Snap pro- out of it. My programming kicked in. Sorry, he's having a, a, a <laughs> he's having a fit over there. He's jerking around like a fish, <laughs> gasping for air. We should do a video just for the for this per- particular episode. Sorry about that. <clears throat> back to our normally scheduled programming. Yeah, let's get back to the conversation. We well, are programming you. We're 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 experiencing this uh, this middle area this this interim. Uh, this interim episode where we're starting to see these these mandates kick in and we're going to see the fallout. So the the news has been complaining that the hospitals are understaffed or that they're at capacity. Well, now they're firing probably somewhere between 10 and 20% of their workforces in certain places of the country, and they're definitely going to have a hospital problem. And, and they deserve that's, it. That's they on, deserve it. That's on top of already having shortages because they laid people off last year because people weren't going to the hospital because they were staying home and staying safe. You have people who have dipped out because it's just, they don't want to be a part of it anymore. You know, I've, I've read about nurses and even doctors who have moved on because they don't want to be a part of the lie anymore or they're just too stressed about it or whatever. Oh, big news over the week was uh, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas released, released some insider video of a, of a very high-level nurse government employee who yeah, was talking HHS, to a doc right? yeah talking to a doctor who said the vaccine was full of and i quote but he said it without spelling it s h i t right where they also did you see the other did one not, this did not make the mainstream news the, the another one they released had a guy i don't know how high up he was in uh now i'm rem- not remembering what agency he was in but he's talking about using blow darts to to uh, shoot up black people with the vaccine <laughs> using darts. Not sure if he was being uh, uh, how sarcastic he was being, but you know what? That brings up an interesting. It was the FDA. That's the, uh, right. commonly known as the FDA, but it's actually called the Food and Drug Administration. And the right. the goal of the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration is to control everything that goes into your body. Mm-hmm. They don't want you eating or injecting anything that they don't have a say on. Project Veritas puts out some pretty important things and it never sticks. It, no, it, nobody it, cares what they say. It's really interesting. There's never in any the mainstream. there's never any fallout. There's never any consequences. 
Yeah. This is an FDA official who said, we need to blow dart African-Americans with COVID vaccine. It's where we're going. Just shoot everyone. He calls for a Nazi Germany style registry of unvaccinated Americans. And he literally said, think about it like the Jewish star. So this is on the, the, the funny thing about Veritas is it's not even like it's not written conjecture. It's not like secondhand where somebody reported that this guy said that. He literally has these people on hidden camera. Yeah. And he'll get, he, they, they have on their website, you know, be brave, come out and tell the truth. And so people actually, like this nurse from HHS who, who reported the doctor. Well, she wasn't, that wasn't hidden camera. She was a whistleblower. No, but she got somebody on camera saying the vaccine was right. full of blank. Right. Right. And some of their and other ones, it's funny how stupid. There are a lot of people coming out, though, because like she, she, one of the reasons she decided to blow the whistle was because one of her friends died because of the vaccine, right? right? That's going to become more and more common here. It's funny how stupid a lot of these people are in these agencies. You know, they, they had people, he got a pretty important uh, producer, someone at CNN a, a while ago. Just admitting that they were trying to tank the election, they're trying to that their their whole existence was basically to ruin Trump, and it's like he yeah. get, he gets them at a restaurant to do this stuff. You know, it's like they just say and it. they just say it to some stranger they've just met. Yeah, that they you know they're bragging about it. They're not very smart people. Well, they're bragging about it. They enjoy this fact right. that that's what they're doing, as if it's uh, in vogue or in style. It's cool. The cool. This is what the cool kids are doing. I think. Um, and I know I'm going to be general here, but I, <laughs> I think it's justified. But the federal government is the largest employer in the United States. And I don't think, I think that, that, that the federal workforce, the government workforce is made up of the dumbest people that have ever walked the planet. Well, I wish that I could be like the cool kids because all the cool kids, they seem to fit in. Well, Those are the lyrics yeah, of yeah. a song called I've, Cool Kids. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody remember that? Creative. <laughs> From back in the day. Here, let's let's do a little let's do a little DMC copyright infringement for a minute. DMCA. I have it on. I have it on good authority that uh, every morning Spencer Cox wakes up and his so clock listen to that radio, song. His clock radio plays that song in his ground in his version of Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's Echo Smith Cool Kids that plays instead of you. I've got you, babe. That's interesting. We never really talked about that. How it was. I've got you, babe, and that was the whole point of it. Was Bill Murray was trying to capture his babe, right? Which was Andy McDowell. Yeah, that was our Groundhog Day episode a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that if you like. You know, you know, I've heard that some people have actually listened to that episode. When we talk about movies and stuff, it's hard to... There's always something we miss. Every time we finish up, I'm like, oh, I forgot this main thing, the big thing that I well, love maybe, about that movie. Maybe if we prepared instead of just flying by the seat of our pants, flying off the cuff, <laughs> going by the seat of our pants... That's true, but I don't know if we wanted to tell our audience that we don't prepare. 
I, we, we can cut that out. I mean, I, I prepare kind of. I think about things during the week. I think I should say that on the podcast. Do you, how much? What percentage of the things you think to say during the week do you think you actually remember to say during the podcast? Seven? Seventeen and a half percent. Okay. Well, pretty good. Maybe eighteen and a good. Maybe maybe a little bit over that. Well, we are definitely dazed and confused here this week. What, what some of the things that we we looked at as we were pondering upon what to what to talk about ponderizing ponderizing <laughs> there's a whole new subject <laughs> okay we talked about church themes last did, week did you buy the ponderized t-shirts <laughs> okay now you're going to have to for the listeners you're going to have to explain <laughs> what you're talking about because this is another episode in church re, I, recent church history that that the uh, <laughs> that the hierarchy would long that we had forgotten i think it was a well-meaning mistake but a, oh come a, on a new, come on it was a newly called general authority which general authority was this was it durant yeah i think so okay it was a basketball player yeah I not think, jimmy durant but one of those byu durants i think uh devin durant is that the name Anyway, he was up. a newly called general authority of 70, I believe, and he gave his first ever talk in general conference. And he introduced, Devin, yep. He introduced this idea of ponderize, which was a kind of a combination, wasn't it? Or he's making a verb out of ponder. Right. It sounds like you're doing something to meet. Uh, <laughs> right. Pulverizing right. or tenderizing. Anyway, meat. he gave this talk, ponderize. Well, I want you to destroy the scriptures. And... Introduced this term and and you know I think it was a decent enough talk I think it I think it was I think people especially like younger kids kind of something that they could relate to but right after that well the, the problem was there was a coordinated marketing launch right, that occurred right, with right, his right after that with his invention of this new term there was ponderized merch available at ponderized.com or whatever which and, had been created in advance by his son or something yeah i think i think so and uh if that you, was quickly if you google up or duck duck go up durant and ponderize you get the first result by the church of jesus christ.org titled my heart pondereth them continually which is the talk given by devin g durant remember as we say the names of general authorities yeah, you get the middle initial. You have to say either the first name as an initial or the middle name as yeah. the initial. If you don't do that, I, what happens? Would would that create a rift, an interdimensional rift in the space-time continuum if we said the name of a general authority without saying the middle initial or the first initial? Well, what it is... Because that is our it, pattern. That, that has become we've been, scriptural. If you've heard the phrase, speaking ill of the Lord's anointed, if you don't use that initial, then you are guilty of speaking ill of the Lord's anointed. Is that the way it's said in the... I don't know. I think so, yeah. Speaking ill. I don't know. It's kind of a funny... We should do... Uh, or somebody should do a deep dive into the origin of the... Of the LDS General Authority initial, and when did that? When did that? When did that? I think it's evil speaking of the Lord's anointed. Okay. Right. When did the initials start to take over? Because we we 
We didn't do it with Joseph Smith. We didn't do it with Brigham Young. Hold on a sec. Cover, cover your mic. Cover your mic for a minute. What's your What's your middle initial? It's, Bo- it's, Bobby Z. Flood. It's, the Z <laughs> stands for zoing. It's It's Bobby. It's actually I don't have a middle initial. It's Bobby the Bobby the Flood. <laughs> Be the Flood. It's yeah. It's but I, I, it's kind of interesting. We we have John Taylor. I I don't know what John Taylor's middle name was because we don't we don't do that for some of the latter day prophets. The first one, one I can think Joseph of Smith is and Brigham Young. John Taylor came next. You know, jo- and Wilford Woodley, we did Lorenzo it with Snow, Joseph F. Joseph F. Smith. But that was to remember dis- the F. Heber J. Grant. Then George Albert. George Albert Smith gets all of his. Yeah, he gets it all. His names, but his name was said. George Albert. Joseph F was the first one but that was to distinguish him from joseph smith his uncle right right because he was he a son of hiram or a grandson of hiram i can't remember but but that makes sense it's like it's joseph f smith because there was already a joseph smith and then after that was it just like oh well we have to because then you have but no because you get george albert smith you get heber j grant then george albert smith david o mckay was followed by Joseph Fielding Smith, Again, and they dis- had to say Joseph Fielding Smith, right? Because it's a because, distinguisher. Because there's yeah, already a we Joseph already got F. another Joseph Smith. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who came after Joseph Fielding Smith? I've lost my train of song. Um, was I don't remember David O. No, David, David o, was o was before, before. that. Joseph Fielding. There's a lot of Spencer, there's a lot of ladies. Spencer Kimball. No, no, Harold B. Lee. Harold B. Lee. That's right. Harold. Yeah. So after that, it's and Spencer everybody, W. Kimball. Everybody has the initial. Then Ezra Taft. He got both. Yeah. It, okay. So they must be specially if if they get both of their names said. Ezra Taft Benson, Gordon B. Hinckley, Thomas S. Monson, and then Russell M. Russell M. D. Nelson. Okay, don't forget the D. I see what you did okay, there. you see what I did? That's Russell M. Nelson, M. D. You can't show. You can't him. say the M twice. It's Russell Milhouse Nelson. Milhouse is a character in The Simpsons. <laughs> you can't try to put that on Isn't the president it, of the well, church. What if that's his? Do you know what it is? Well, let's look it up. I bet a lot of people don't know what these middle names were, like Gordon Bittner Hinckley. Yeah, it was Bittner. Thomas Spencer Monson, I believe. Russell Marion. Okay. I thought it was <laughs> not Millhouse. Hey, yeah. It's not Millhouse. Marion as in Marion G. Romney. Is it spelled that way? I don't know, but he's a senior, by the way, because I guess there's a junior, oh. according to Wikipedia. Well, we're way off on this tangent here. I'm, I'm not well, calling. I'm not were, calling an you, end to it. We you can keep thinking, going. We, were we can thinking, keep going. We are dazed well, and confused I in, today. I interrupted you with ponderize. Well, ponderizing because you said you were pondering something. <laughs> I interrupted you before we ever got there, and now we're leaving our audience hanging. So well, we got to backtrack. And what was it you were ponderizing? I can't remember. We were uh, talking about Project Veritas. Then I want to be like the cool kids. Yep, and then Durant, we we were ponderizing Durant. We were talking about how how in not so many years things are things are devolving, and we were talking about the the, the listeners out there are cheering for us. They're like, "It was this topic. Get back to this topic," yeah. and we can't we can't even remember it. Uh, we we were talking about the uh, 
the slow march, Spencer Cox waking up to I want to be like the cool kids. We got into forgetting. I don't know if we can even remember. Yeah. Anyway, the vaccine is safe and effective. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Long pause while we think of what it was. Yeah, see, the the listeners are going to have the advantage. They can go back and, and rewind. We can't rewind. I mean, we could stop the recording. We could play it back and figure it out, but that would be... Video <laughs> killed the radio star. It did. It did. Okay, so what were... We, I said we needed to ponder something. And <laughs> you said the word ponderize. Yeah, it derailed us hard. <laughs> yeah, it derailed us. Okay. Oh, that, did you see the Amtrak train? That that, that de- got derailed. Yeah, that was that was kind of an interesting uh it happened in a really remote part of Montana and they were struggling to get people off to quali- qualified hospitals. Just a little tidbit there. Were there some hospitals that were unqualified? Well, I mean they were literally in the middle of nowhere. And so there wasn't, there were no hospitals. Okay. Several people died. Yeah. How does an Amtrak train derail? Were the, was the conductor going too fast? I don't know. I didn't, I didn't research it engineer to find out, but I did, I think it was Fox news through a little, I still get these little alerts that show up on my phone. Mm -hmm. I do it. So you don't have to. I appreciate that. Bobby G flood, Bobby, the the flood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Fox News said something like, like ter- they used the word terror, and which made me think that they were saying this was some kind of a terror attack. <clears throat> what do they call it? Like terror on the rails or something. I thought it was a little bit of misleading headline. Hmm. Because I don't think there was any terrorist Maybe there were, ties. maybe there's some religious people on the, on the train. I'm sure there were. Maybe they were, maybe they were planning a religious holiday. <laughs> Or studying to get good grades. Possibly studying to get good grades, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> was that one of the things? Some, yeah, like getting good grades, I think, was on there. Uh, the, we're talking now about the DHS, you might be a terrorist list if you're studying to get good grades. And you enjoy religious holidays. Okay, I, what was it that we wanted people to ponder? This is important. <laughs> We, we are dazed and confused. Okay. Well, more so, more so than normal. Let, let, while you're figuring, while you're figuring I'm not gonna that out. Remember, I think, I think it's over. I think we got to move on. We're talking about vaccine passports and how those are starting to encroach into normal lives, especially in other states. Yeah. We've got it here. Now, I do believe that the legislature passed a law banning companies from requiring it of their employees here in Utah. You think so? I think I think they did that at the same time when they banned mask mandates and things like that. Hmm. Now, I don't know how much teeth those laws have and or if there's workarounds. Obviously, you know, the Utah Jazz is requiring visitors to their facility to show proof of vax vaccination or negative test. Which it seems like if you're going to buy into all that theater the negative test would be far more uh useful because the vaccination doesn't prevent spread 
people with the vaccine are getting and spreading the, the virus quite prolifically. Yeah, it's a little bit um, absurd to say they're going to let vaccinated people in when they spread the virus. Have you ever been to a jazz game before? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you? Yeah. Now think about this. It, during the course of that basketball contest, did did it ever occur to you at any moment in that game, the person near me could be sick and I could be made sick by being here. I better not be here. I feel significantly compromised uh, compromised here being at the, 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 that person over there could be sick did it ever occur to you what what bothered me was the last jazz game that i attended they they made me check my pocket knife yeah yeah well and as i was standing there after the game getting my pocket knife back they, and they were warning me that in the future they weren't going to even allow you to check it I looked around at all the other guys getting their pocket knives back, and I thought, these are all the guys that I would want to have pocket knives if right. we were in a situation where we needed a pocket knife. I'm surprised their they gave pocket it back. knives have been taken away. I'm surprised they gave it back to you. I lucked out. I guess I hit it at that early time. This was also uh, happened to be a, oh, you know what? Maybe that wasn't the last time I went. Nah, it probably was. I think. This was also on a Martin Luther King Jr. Civil Rights Day, and the amount of propaganda being promoted in the in the arena that day was bothersome. Well, yeah, it was these, it was so, it was so over the top. I felt quite bothered by it. Like sports leagues have been captured. In, I was uh, like I was being shamed. I mean the NFL the NFL is famous for its military propaganda, right? Right, you know, and it's patriotic, right? To, I've I think, never been to an NFL game, but I'll well, take your word for I've it. I've been to one, but uh, you know, even on TV, you have you have games, you have weeks where the coaches all wear the camouflage, like jackets and stuff, with their team logos on it. Okay, and I haven't seen it as much recently, but for a while there, they, it seemed like every game, whether it was football or basketball, was was surprising a family with their dad returning home from the service hmm. which i it's it's a really easy way to get people all emotional and i thought i always felt it was a little bit manipulative and 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 publicizing making a public spectacle out of what should be a, a private family event i i attended a small college football game so we're talking division one subsection z or whatever it is football game on September 11th of this year and they were making a huge deal out of 9-11 but it, it had lost it was the 20-year anniversary right mm -hmm. but it, it seems like it's lost a lot of that effect there weren't a lot of people paying attention in fact they they cut one of the little monologues short on the jumbotron screen for no reason. I, right. you know, it was like, yeah, and we're starting the second half. This guy's, <laughs> this guy's, uh, really, maybe he was really saying, touching human interest story can wait. Well, I, I, and we'll never see him again. There was a, uh, there was one dad they were going to bring out onto the field and surprise the family with, but they couldn't because, uh, Joe Biden, uh, flew the, you know, the, ordered the plane to take off before he could get on it in Afghanistan. So, 
Oh, really? Left him. Well, I, I, maybe. <laughs> a, he was one of the several thousand that they just abandoned over yeah. there. Ponder that. Ponderize that. <clears throat> oh, the Ponderize episode was so silly yeah, that yeah, it, that it, that it, de- it is derailing. It does make us dazed well, and confused. I, I was thinking about it recently. Um. I guess because you know conference is coming up next week, and I was just thinking about that episode and, and, and like how, what 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 did they think was going to happen? They didn't. Did they not ever occur that people might say, "Hey, this is a little bit off-putting, a little <laughs> conflict of interest." You're making money off of your conference talk. Well, yeah. It, and by the way, if you Google it up, the first two two links. I think this is where we were we were talking about this before we got derailed and then derailed again. But the first two links are. Um, well, the first link is the church link, but the second link is a BYU link to their, the BYU paper, the universe, which is a, essentially a state run propaganda outlet for the, for BYU. And it, the headline is general authority apologizes for Ponderize website. And then the third link is amid criticism, Ponderize apparel website removed, you know, it's KUTV. And then the third link, archive.saltlaketribune is the, about the whole scandal. So it was, it was a big problem. I, <laughs> and I, it, I, I, I don't know. Did anybody out there buy any of that stuff before it went away? It'd be kind of a funny Oh, that might be, item. you might, yeah, it might be collectible. <laughs> it might be worth a lot of money Comment now. on the website if you have a ponderized sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could make them. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's still TM'd. Is it trademarked? Can you trademark a word? Yeah, I guess I mean, you could. I guess it's a made-up word. Like it is right? made. Yeah, it is made up. Well, by the way, if you and some of you I know are wondering about our omniverse, omniversity, we've made absolutely we, no progress on that, and no profits either. <laughs> right. <laughs> the omniversity, though, we we promise that sometime it will come out. We we we're not really promised. If you if you if you're a new listener. The Omniversity is the the Bobby Flood Jordan Bruno answer to the <laughs> there's a word I want to use the debacle that is developing in our in our mainstream universities. So we were thinking we would provide what we would call an Omniversity because we surmise that you can pretty much learn anything there is to learn off of the internet now from Twitter or Google or YouTube or, or YouTube alternatives. And so we thought we would just put together some curriculums, string a bunch of YouTubes together, and then give you a degree from the Omniversity. So you'll have credentials. Yeah. And we were going to charge for that. But we're really not very motivated to make any money. It so does, therefore... It does bring up a good point because credentialism is a big deal right now. And, and we just treat like every degree the same like someone says well i'm a phd well what are you a phd in and where did you earn it from well i'm a phd in digital theory and uh and social justice warrioring pixel pixelization theory and i got it from the university of my grandpa dot org i got it from an online university known as the university right (laughs) well we are we, we're out in the weeds, and I, I, I hope that our listeners aren't, aren't flipping us off, both, <laughs> both in both terms, both with their fingers and also just clicking off the 
podcast out of boredom, but maybe we can try to get back on. Maybe we on, actually on will kind of have topic. to cut some of this for once. Finally, edit the podcast this time. Uh, I don't know. That'd be a lot of work. It's not too much work, but okay. Vaccine passports. That's what's happening right now. We're seeing we're seeing them get rolled out, and we're seeing the fallout from that. I want to bring up a a question about the Vax Pass. Is there any moral standing for such a thing? Well, the the rationale here is that citizens in society have a duty to each other. Okay, there's there are two competing ideas here, and I have recently engaged in arguments with neighbors over this, so I'm I'm well prepared to speak about this. I'm going to remove the dazed and confused hat here and go on a, a little bit of a soapbox. The reason the American experiment was so successful and so good was partially because of its lack of proximity to tyranny, okay? I'm going to bring that up first. I brought it up before on the podcast. I would argue that in spite of all the great principles of freedom that we had embraced as Americans by the by the mid-1700s, in addition to that, our lack of proximity to the British crown and the tyranny allowed America to be free. And being able to exploit the resources of God's green earth is something that is necessary for men to be free. And women too. When I say men, please don't take offense. You know what I mean. But did you see <laughs> I don't they, even know why we even had to say that. Did you see what that. the ACLU did to a Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote? No, but I... She had, a, she had a quote where she says, basically, and it's this pro kind of pro-abortion quote, but she says that a, a woman's decision to become a mother is hers alone, da 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 They took it, and they every time there was a reference to a woman, they turned it into a neutral. So it's a person's right to decide whether to become a birthing person. Like, they just butchered it with these... I did see a headline. I did see a headline out there that the thought police had decided that it was discriminatory to say that women have cervixes. Right, right. Anyway, I do. I derailed you. So, do you want to explain what a cervix is? Uh -uh. Okay, not on the program. Okay. All right. So we're talking about the founding, the founding of this country, and my point that the lack of proximity to tyranny is important, and this is definitely a tangent to the tangent, but it really is important. You need to. Here's something to ponderize. All the land has been taken up, right? That's a problem because you can't go out and exploit the land and the natural resources and truly be free. Well, not legally. Not legally. Because there are places where you could you could go and create a great homestead, but you would be breaking some federal U.S. Forest Service bylaw regulation 44CA under the code of conduct, under the... Right. And in the West, this is a real issue because most of the land, the you know, what, 90% of Nevada, 65% of Utah, it's all owned by the federal government. There's a lot of land we could exploit if, if we could get access to it. Another problem is that due to licensing and zoning laws, you can buy land that's privately owned and, and, and then property taxes. You can't necessarily just own and exploit that land without without paying your rents to the to the government. Well, and a lot of times too, especially if you live in a community, a city, and it, uh, you'd have to get the city's permission to build certain thing on your on your land. If you wanted to dig a well or build a 
sniper tower or something, you, you know, you're probably going to get denied that because it, it doesn't fit in with the zoning laws and the zoning, you know, regulations. That's right. We've decided that, you, that, that neighbors have a lot to say about what you can do with your land. And so the fact that we, we don't have any frontier left, that, that really limits where mankind can grow and be free and whatnot. And so that was a factor in the American Revolution. But the other thing, and this is, this is what you'll learn about in non-public schools, if you, if you go get an education from, say, our theoretical omniversity or scholars like Stephen Pratt, who I've linked to before on the podcast webpage, he does a series called Liberty and Learning, which is excellent. I highly recommend everybody watch Stephen Pratt's Liberty and Learning series because it explains the non-public school explanation of the rationale for the founding of the country and the rationale for the founding documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And he explains where all these ideas come from and what they actually mean versus what they've been reinterpreted to mean by the oligarchy, the, the, the people that are controlled by the oligarchy. So you have, you have two schools of thought here. One is, and, and these were being articulated in the 1700s, differently in the United States and in France. A guy named Rousseau, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, he coined the term social contract. All right? You've heard the term, right, right. Bobby T. Flood? You've heard the term social contract. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is something that's brought up all the time as some sort of a overlay that any, it's a gotcha that anybody can lay over the top of you if, if you get too into this idea of your God-given natural rights. The difference between the, the founders of the, of the United States of America, like Jefferson, Adams, you know, all these guys, Madison, and the, the French and the French Revolution is that the Americans respected individual property rights. The French just ran roughshod over it with their, their revolution, you know. Do you hear the people sing? Exactly. Singing the songs. There's a lot of, of drama. Man. There's a lot of drama out there uh, relative to the French Revolution. And they had multiple bloody episodes during their, uh, their revolution where they essentially destroyed certain classes of people, people that had money, people that had property, and they reassigned that property to other people. The English common law side of things uh, allowed... For, that, for a transition to occur away from a monarchy in a more orderly fashion. Here's another tangent. If you go to Paris, it's not well understood, but Paris is a master-planned, a masterfully master-planned city where it's, it's essentially, was, it, was a, it was set up to be this massive tourist trap by the people who started the French Revolution. What they, the, the whole thing from the, from the Arc de Triomphe down the Champs-Élysées to the palace that's become the Louvre and, and the, all, all of that surrounding area was at one point owned by private individuals, but then it was demolished and set up after the French Revolution in this, in this master-planned way. And it has remained so because the French have decided to keep it that way. And, and made it this national treasure type of a, you know, history museum, right? And 
all, all that was done at that time by the people who were associated with the French Revolution. In England, they don't have that because they respected property rights. And so you don't have a big, long, massive swath of area where, you know, there's this master plan, 18th century, what, uh, 19th century community in the 1800s where they build all this, this cool stuff. You just don't have that in England because the English respected property rights. And they, they sort of transitioned out of their monarchy. They still have this significant cultural deference to the British crown, but it's theoretically more of a figurehead. What people don't understand is that they have a lot of money and they control via money and behind the scenes. And so the oligarchy persists. But the French had this had settled on this idea of the social contract, whereas the Americans read this read the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. That is the basis. That is the absolute legal, philosophical rationale for what we have in America, and it is what the oligarchy hates. And it's why I've argued that they intend to break up the United States. Am I starting to yell? I can see Bobby T. Flood over there is adjusting my levels probably down because I'm getting animated. But he doesn't know <laughs> I muted him. <laughs> I've been muted. This is what the this is what the oligarchy would like to do to the Declaration of Independence. They would like to mute that second paragraph, and it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, namely life, liberty, and property, and that governments are instituted among men to protect those rights. And that when the government becomes, begins to work against those rights, it's the right, no, it's the duty of the people to alter and abolish their government and lay new guards for their future security. But, I can see you want to say something. Well, Jordan, come on. Nobody has the right to spread a deadly virus. Okay, now that's what we're getting at here. Because that's the social contract idea, that you're born into a society, and this Rousseau articulated it. It's been around for a long time. You have, uh, it wasn't necessarily called the social contract, but the idea was that the majority had the moral... High ground? High ground. The moral leeway or the moral, I don't want to use the word right. They have... Authority? They, power? Yeah, the moral authority. That's right. That somehow that a majority, a majority of people, this is, this is since time immemorial, well, actually not since time immemorial, essentially since the Greeks, okay? Because we've had all kinds of different forms of government in the history of the world. A lot of it mostly is oligarchy. And the term aristocracy, for example, in the Greek language simply means rule by the best and the brightest. And like you know, the state of Utah. <laughs> well, there's an interesting conversation between the brother of Jared and Jared in the first couple of chapters of the Book of Ether in the Book of Mormon, where they talk, the people want a king, and they, they kind of, I think it's, this comes up in Mosiah, too, when, when the reign of the judges is instituted. They say something like, well, surely this leads to captivity. You know, it, it, a king is great, a monarchy is great when you have a righteous king, but that only lasts a little while. Right. And so in, in Mosiah, Mosiah makes a, a slight error in judgment, I would, I would argue, because the record says that he says something like it, you know, the, uh, the majority generally tend to choose the right thing. But then when they don't, 
it ends badly anyway. And and the whole Book of Mormon is mostly a discussion on how the majority tends to choose the wrong things and it destroys your society in the end because secret combinations creep in anyway. Well, <laughs> but only back then it's sort of, it's sort of a damned if you do damned, if you don't issue that kind Mon- of stuff monarchies, now. monarchies end badly. Monarchies are never really true monarchies. They're oligarchies because a, cor- a king has his court, a king has his, advisors and they constitute right. the oligarchy the rule of the few and and a democracy generally ends up as an oligarchy because a few people take control of the the means of public propaganda and they influence the people and the people tend to give them more and more power and a secret combination develops and this this is exactly what happened with Amalekaya not necessarily Gadianton remember Amalekaya had the uh, conspiracy going amongst the lower judges of the land they just didn't call it a secret combination it was an open attempt to overthrow the government and they conspired and his his uh, he and his advisors or his secret council engaged in a treachery murder deceit and a false flag terrorist attack right in in alma chapter 47 or 48 somewhere in there and overthrew the lamanite government and then went after the nephites so anyway i i'm wandering in circles here but the point is the the american experiment was incredible because it was founded on the idea that the minority has rights that the individual has rights and that your laws need to be based in some philosophical, unbendable framework that the majority cannot break so as to keep the minority protected. And that's what made America the greatest nation that the, history, that the world has ever known. I mean, we have never had a nation in history, not the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire might have lasted longer. It appears like that it will have lasted longer at the rate America is burning out. But the United States of America, essentially at the end of World War II, was the empire that ruled the world. Harry Truman was the first emperor of the world. People don't understand that. Ponderize that, listeners. Sorry, <laughs> sorry for yelling. Ponderize that, listeners. Harry Truman was the emperor of the world, the very first one. And Yeah, but the so- I have a right not to get sick. Right, so the social contract idea that Rousseau was promoting was this idea that just by being born into it, Bobby T. Flood, you are subject to the whims of the of the majority that the majority can say what goes and for the greater good see it's always for the greater good for the greater good of society they can do things to you that you find objectionable and that your consent doesn't matter as a minority element of society. Right. They, as the majority, know what's best for you. This is the difference. This is a huge problem. It causes people to misunderstand, say, for example, the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Right. They, in order to form a more perfect union, in order to establish justice, in order to promote the general welfare. In order to do all those things, they set up a contract that would put limits on their government. They didn't set up a social contract that gave the majority the right to do everything they wanted. In fact, if you read the preamble to the Declaration, not the Declaration, if you read the preamble to the Bill of Rights, it further clarifies the matter and says that they wanted to place further, quote, further restrictions on the government. So the whole point of the Constitution was to limit the government, not to outline 
what rights you as people have. That's the difference. That's the big difference. Do you people out there get it? You listeners of the Mind Virus podcast, podcast, the social contract construct is not good and they have been getting massive amounts of mileage out of it. Oligarchies for many centuries have been able to use it to cause people to oppress each other. Okay, that I mean that's all well and good for like a civics class, you know. Okay, sorry. But, I'm off my but, soapbox. But, There's but, so much more to say. But I'm done. Jordan, we're in a pandemic. Let me read you something. Let me see if I can find it. And you, because you were born into the society, you agreed implicitly, Bobby T. Flood, to allow these restrictions. They're your betters and the majority of the yeah, people... Just by being born. Yeah, just, just, by, just because well, you live here, I've argued, you, you're supposed to give in to this. I've argued in the, in the past, in, in other venues, that there is no such thing as the greater good. There's no such thing because accepting that something is good for the great, the greatest number of people, except that that accepts this idea that there's a very small group of people who gets to decide what is the greatest good. And, you know, it's like last year when we were told that certain people were essential and certain people were non-essential. Who makes those decisions? Who got to make that decision? The majority does, right? Because it was your elected leaders. That's the that's the rationale. Again, that's the rationale. But those 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 decisions doesn't doesn't didn't come from the majority. They came from, in a lot of cases, unelected Unelected people like Fauci or locally, you know, Angela Dunn. But they'll argue that your elected leaders set that up, and so by being born into it, you need to deal with it. Just deal with it. Just get the vaccine. Just Just get get the shot. just, Just what's the big deal? Just what's the big deal? Well. Here, here's here's something I I I, I want to uh, as a counter to what you just said about natural rights and 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 all of that preamble. Go ahead, try it. Try it, buddy. I, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm purposefully leaving out the source of. Am this. I allowed to respond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not being censored here. <laughs> You're not gonna pull the 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 what the majority normally does, which is ostracize and censor those. And exclude them from the Agora. I'm going to edit it out later. Okay. <laughs> um, no, here's, here's, a, here's, this is a statement that was put out uh, to many, many millions of people. It's, and I'm not going to tell you the source. I think you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. Our listeners, I, I wanna, are they going to know the source? Some of them will. And I want them to, to ponderize. Okay, the, ponderize the, the, the source. The, contra- the contrast here. It says, we acknowledge that in exceptional circumstances, all individual rights may be reasonably restricted for a time to protect the safety of the general public. Blasphemy. But we're in extraordinary circumstances. Right, that's the whole point. We're in a pandemic. There will, And we've said this before on the podcast, the oligarchy will always have an emergency right. that will require the abandonment of the agency of man. Right, right, and didn't Eric Mutsos say this? He quoted Ezra Tav Benson on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said that it was agency that divided us in the beginning, and it will likely be agency that divides us. Yeah, in this, the end. this battle over free agency, you know, and, and that statement is extraordinarily um, di- evil, dispiriting, evil. It's it's wrong too. It's just factually wrong. Our rights, our individual rights, only. Are, are designed to 
protect us in extraordinary circumstances. That's the whole they point. They're not predicated on circumstances being ordinary. If, if you read the Second Amendment that says, a well-regulated re- militia being necessary to the security of a, of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And you could also remember the, the first part of that does not provide the rationale for it. It's just an, it's just an ex- expletive cause um, or a clause, excuse me. You could also substitute something like uh, a well-educated populace being necessary, necessary to the security of a free state. The mm-hmm. right of the people to, people to keep and read books shall not be infringed. You could also do that. The right of the people to keep and bear memes. Yeah, keep and keep and create memes. That's a, a that's actually a Twitter account. The right to bear memes. <laughs> they do a lot of, but, the, but this statement anyway, this statement deserves a little bit more scrutiny because yeah. If, but if you, if the whole point of having a gun is just to not be able to use it to defend yourself or to defend liberty, right? I mean that that's what that's saying right there. Who gets to define what an exceptional circumstance is? Who gets to dis- decide what is a reasonable restriction? For a time, who gets to decide what that time is to protect the safety of the general right. I public? I would edit that to say governments have, in in many cases, taken uh, tyrannical steps to uh, infringe upon God's natural rights that he's given us in order to control populations. That's what that really says. I will say that that, that statement was made 18 months ago. And still, we're under these temporary but reasonable suspensions of our individual rights. And in some cases, in some parts of the world, those uh, restrictions have increased and are becoming quite unreasonable by any definition, unless you're a tyrant. I'm thinking of Australia, New Zealand, parts mm-hmm. of parts of the United States, parts of Europe. There's a balance here. There's a balance. And... I don't think there is a balance. No, there's a balance here. Let me tell you what the balance is, because it goes like this. Democracy is simply two wolves and one sheep voting on what's for dinner, right? Right. right. That means that democracy, just like the founding fathers said, Hamilton, Madison, Jefferson, we can find tons of quotes. Google it up. Founders' comments on democracy. They say democracies are uh, explosive, temporary experiments that are as... Uh, corrupt in their lives as they are violent in their deaths. That's close to a Madison quote. That's a, that's a, a really bad rendition of a Madison quote on democracy in the Federalist Papers of all places. Because remember, there were the Federalist arguments in the Federalist Papers, and then there were the Anti-Federalist arguments, which nobody knows about in the Anti-Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers were written to as sort of a conversation back and forth against the anti-federalists, and it resulted in the creation of a of a federal government, the the Constitution. But the the rationale, what's funny is the rationale in the Federalist Papers actually argues against what we have today. Right, right. Like a democracy. And so the the point is that there is the only reason <laughs> that we would have a government is to limit the tyranny, right? right. I mean, the, the whole point of it is to protect individual rights. And that's why I say there is no, there, the, the balance is always 
free, freedom is always the answer. Yeah, the balance is it's simply always the, the right answer. The balance between the two wolves and the sh- and the sheep voting on what's for dinner is this idea that my right to swing my fist ends where your nose begins. That's where the balance is, and so there have always been. There's always been some need for a limited government, and that's what's so great about America is that the government was limited by good principles. Right. Okay. There was some need for this government in order to exist in order to protect you, right. to protect your rights. And that's the whole point. But now the federal government in the United States is the largest employer in the country. Right. And and so the social contract idea throws out this this construct of the greater good and the the people who are making these decisions for the greater good as if as if there's this entity called the greater good that has some sort of a voice in our right. society and well, the, it, well, the the thought experiment here's the thought experiment bobby the point is that you morally you as, as an individual morally couldn't can't do any certain things to me right like your government you, you should think of the government as your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Anything that your neighbor shouldn't do to you, the government shouldn't do to you. Well, nor does it have the... Uh, it doesn't have the moral, moral authority to do it. Or even legal authority. Right. If, if, if I decided I wanted to take some money from you, taxes, right? I have no right to do that, right? That's called stealing, right? Unless you needed to build a road. Well, if I, but if I go out to the neighbors and I say, hey, Bobby has this money, we want it, let's vote on it. Does that make it morally correct for us to take his money? No. Even if we want to build a road? What if we wanted to have a sheriff? Only if you either want to build a road or a rec center with a pool. What about a splash pad? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying here is yeah, that you, yeah. we, we the people are the government. That's the right. whole point of the, the preamble of the we Constitution. We don't think about that anymore. Now the government is this other entity with magic powers and authority. That gives us our rights and instead morality. of them coming from God. Right. And then, and then when we accept that premise, then we start making statements like all individual rights may be reasonably restricted during extraordinary circumstances no. for a time to protect the general public. No, 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 no. Those rights are unalienable. Right. They That's are what I'm not, saying. They are not lienable. You cannot so place you a lien on them. You can't, you can't touch them. And you have a large, large portion of the population, I don't know if it's a majority or not, who are saying right now, in effect, that... Yes, you should be forced to take certain actions, even if you don't want to or need to, to protect the general public. Because I, I have the right not to get sick, which of course is not a right. It, nobody has the right to not get sick. And the stupid statement that nobody has the right to spread a deadly disease is an inane, ridiculous statement because nobody's claiming that right. And never before have we criminalized the right. spread of respiratory viruses, which nobody... Look, I'm not I'm not a doctor, but neither is Richard Saunders, chief executive of the Utah Department of Health, by the way. But there's still a lot of debate and 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 questions about how just how and why viruses spread. Like track and trace is ridiculous. You can't if again, you went to a jazz game a few years ago. You never it never crossed your mind or anybody else in that arena's mind that I might I might get the flu here. 
And if a few days later you did turn up sick, you didn't say, I got to go find those people in the arena because that's for sure where I got it. And I need to go criminalize. I need to I need to prosecute them. They need to go to jail because nobody has the right to spread a deadly virus. Right. So what I'm saying is we've taken we've we've gone so far over the top with this idea of this greater good and this social contract that now we're we're swimming in absurdity and impossibilities medical and social impossibilities and yet we're being told and being treated as as if it's just inevitable if it's the most commonsensical thing in the world to track and trace and to force everybody to take a vaccine in order for them to participate in society. And if they're not going to do that, well, then we need to test them every day. I mean, it's just it's just absurdity upon absurdity upon absurdity. And it's all because we've abandoned these basic principles that the individual has rights. Groups do not have rights. There's no group I can join that gives me special rights and privileges over another group morally. Except unless I become a member of the deep state. Hello, fellow insurrectionists. <laughs> I mean, it's just absurdity layered upon absurdity. And so then you get statements like the one I just read, or then you get, uh, uh, you know, President Biden standing up and saying, I'm very impatient with these people that won't take the shot. By the way, as we speak, Joe Biden is getting his third vaccination shot he's getting his booster today well we we need to ask ourselves is it really <laughs> it, it could be like methamphetamine or something well, to keep, does, the, keep well, the guy awake I'm, we don't know yeah, what they're putting I, in. it yeah, could be a saline it's, i'm saline sure it's solution. fake there were you know when this first you know the vaccines were being first really pushed hard there was a lot of invisible needles and I think well, fake you, shots on TV. Yeah, you personally heard from a, a primary source account on this, didn't you? Like a nurse that said right. she was involved in yeah. one of these episodes. Yeah, and said it was fake. But um, regardless of that side of all of this, you know, we're being we're being forced into behaviors that. It doesn't matter. People are saying, I got to figure out, I got to talk to a lawyer and figure out what my, you know, if I can, can I, can I get a religious exemption? Can I get a conscientious objection? It's like the only objection that you morally and legally need is no, thanks. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That you have individually decided against having that in your body. Right. And if that means that I'm going to die, well, that's still my decision to make. This is one of the reasons Bobby and I are you know, <laughs> so ha- have such a negative outlook on where we're headed. It's because <laughs> this is the destruction of our society. There's the society was operating well when it respected precedent and in- English common law. That's what made the West great. Is that we deferred to these principles that there were long-standing. Well, you don't ideas it, like the Ten Commandments. It comes okay. to a simple statement: you don't hurt people and you don't take their stuff. Yeah, you do all that you've agreed to do, and you do not encroach upon other persons or their property. But That's that, uh, Richard Mayberry's right, restatement. Right, but of it. see, here's where here's where we get into this dilemma in the in the people on the wrong side of this. And yes, there are rights and wrong sides of this. The people on the wrong side of this who are supporting this forced vaccination and other behaviors are saying, I agree with you. You can't hurt people. And now you're hurting people by not getting the vaccine. That's you're why hurting people by not wearing a mask. You're hurting people by not 
where uh, you know social distancing. They've well, twisted and inverted those principles during this pandemic into justifying tyranny. You know, it's 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 Orwell. It's freedom is slavery. They've inverted this. It's the Pharisees. So how how do we combat well, the, that? Well, before before you go there, I just want to say that's why the English common law understanding is so important because you you brought it up earlier, but we do not have a tradition in our society that tells us that we can restrict individual rights simply because there's a, a seasonal illness it's going around. It's an extraordinary around. circumstance. Yeah. Well, now, there, definitely people are going to look at the plague and say, oh, cities, cities shut down. They, would, they wouldn't let people unload ships or whatever. Yeah, there were a lot of things that happened. There have been a lot of times where tyranny has prevailed. Right. But in the English common law system that, that we follow in America, we have never held people liable for spreading seasonal illness. We've never... Especially gone out of our way to it's impossible to to really trace where right. that came from. We've ne- we've never gone out of our way to uh, restrict people and 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 pass liability on div- individuals or corporations for the spread of seasonal illness. Health departments have taken certain extraordinary measures in some limited cases. They like to make a big deal out of the nineteen eighteen. Spanish flu thing, but that was when the progressives were really trying to take hold in the early 20th century, and so they're spreading their fear. They were there's a lot of lot of probably positive conjecture out there and discussion and research surrounding the fact that the 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 Spanish flu epidemic was caused by all of the experimental vaccines and things they were pumping into the soldiers and the and the young people going over to the war. Right. In 1917, that's a big deal because remember the, the, the one of the big differences between that episode and this episode is that that flu killed a lot of young people, and so the question is what happened to those young people's immune systems, right? And why weren't the old people affected? Because they weren't the ones that were getting injected with all that crap, and they weren't the ones being experimented on by the early progressives, right? Okay, in the in this last. In this latest episode with the coronavirus, you have a, it largely affecting people who are over the age of 65. And who are already unhealthy. Half, half of them who are in nursing homes, or 40% of them in nursing homes. And by the way, I ran across some information. <coughs> I ran across some information recently, which I think I forwarded to you, Bobby, about the remdesivir angle, that a lot of these people were being given remdesivir because of perverse financial incentives. Did you see that? I know a bit about it. I can't remember if I saw it from you. It, remdesivir, the, the United States government bought up all the stocks of remdesivir. Now, yeah. by and, the way, and, Dr. And Fauci... said it was amazing. This was the breakthrough right, treatment. Do, Dr. Fauci has a, a financial interest in Gilead. Gilead is the producer of remdesivir. They've always wanted to sell their product. This is not dis, not in dispute. This is not crazy conspiracy theory. This is a fact that those people have these financial incentives. Right. So they bought up all the stocks so that other countries wouldn't get it. And then the hospitals via Medicaid, Medicare, so the government owned the stocks, via Medicaid, Medicare, they have been incentivizing the hospitals to use remdesivir. Now, remdesivir causes, costs like $3,600, $3,700 for a five or 10-day treatment. Yeah. Okay. 
Medicaid Medicare was giving a 20% bonus to the hospitals to use it. So that means that the hospitals would not only get reimbursed, they'd get reimbursed an extra six, 800 bucks. Right. Well, okay. also, maybe you're getting to this, it's that in order for a patient to receive it, they had to be in the hospital for several days. And so the, they needed to have COVID. hospitalizations. Yeah, they had to have COVID and be there for several days. So these hospitalization numbers are inflated and and distorted because of the financial incentive. Right. And the hospitals were shut down except for, for everything except for COVID. So they were finding COVID, right? So they're finding people that need the drug. Then they start giving them the drug, whether they need it or not. And then they got further incentive to put these people on ventilators. You don't hear much about that drug anymore because it turns out it really didn't help. Well, anyway. actually, it's hurting because in right. all the earlier studies relative to Ebola, it was killing more people than the Ebola was. They wanted to use it for Ebola, but it would kill 50% of the people, whereas Ebola only kills 25% of the people that contract it. It was found in the studies that remdesivir causes kidney failure in like 30% of the recipients and massive organ failure in up to 50% of the recipients who continue. That includes the kidney failure people. Yeah, but can you imagine what that would have happened if they had COVID? <laughs> well, what happens if they have COVID is that it kills the kidneys, they're on an IV drip, and then their lungs fill up with fluid. What does that look like on an x-ray? It looks like pneumonia. So one of the doctors that was exposing this has argued that most of the people that died of pneumonia actually died of pulmonary edema mm -hmm. because it looks exactly the same on the, on the x-rays caused by remdesivir and, and then their death and the organ failure was further caused by the, the ventilators and all the other care that they're giving him. So, let's so we, we could have actually, you know, there, there's so much, there, there's such a huge angle here on the corruption that we, we could get lost in the weeds on that whole thing. But we don't, and, and, uh, and let me say this, you guys, listeners of the podcast know, that's what, we're pretty sure that's what happened. We're pretty sure that this whole coronavirus thing, remember the coronavirus has a, a survival rate of, 99.95% or something like that if you're under the age of 65, and it's 99.5 if you're over the, six, the age of 65. So you have a less than 1% chance of dying, even if you're at risk. And well, there and, is plenty the, to talk the, about. The Wall Street Journal covered this a while ago, and I've, I, I don't uh, pay for the Wall Street Journal, and so I've had a hard time finding this article again. But they had an article basically quoting doctors from New York City saying, we killed our patients when we stuck them on these uh, intubators and things. And I couldn't believe that it wasn't more of a bombshell, that it wasn't more of a, uh, you know, I don't know that any of those doctors had to resign. I mean, mm -hmm. they should have. They, they, they admitted that they were afraid. And so they did the only, they just, I, they didn't, they panicked. And so they just shoved these things down people's throats and killed them. Right. And that's why we're starting to see whistleblowers is because you're, you're starting to see people come out and with their conscience finally getting to them. They're going, yeah, this wasn't good. And well, I think we're going to see a lot more whistleblowers. But before you, before you move on, the point is we could talk about the corruption all day long, and we have. We shouldn't even have to. There should be no issue because of the philosophical truths that we as Americans supposedly embrace that your body, your health is your issue. And whether you, whether you're sick or not, that's a risk we've all chosen to take when we go out in public that we're going to interface with other people. We're not going to hold each other liable for right. seasonal illnesses. We've well, never, never done that. It's never even really crossed our minds. 
you know, when we go to a concert or a basketball game or to, to work or to a restaurant, um, it's never crossed our minds that, oh, doing this guy could get sick. Now, you might be uh, nervous about going to a certain restaurant that has a track record of foodborne illness, but that's a completely different thing, right? And that's why we have the Department of Health. <laughs> because you can't remember not to go to restaurants like well, that. And then restaurant, I always like this idea that if they, if you didn't have certain government agencies, then restaurants would just serve rotten meat. And it's like, no, they wouldn't. Restaurants want you to come back over and over again. <laughs> it's like, anyway, but let's, let's imagine for a minute, let's go into another thought experiment about these vaccine passports. Let's imagine that the virus is as deadly as they pretend it is and that the vaccines are as effective and safe as they pretend is there still is there even then is there moral standing for forcing these onto people and it is being forced okay it's being forced through other manipulative techniques like it's almost worse you you have a choice it's just that if you don't take it we'll fire you right it's almost worse than overt force right so but let's let's pretend that the, the, the that everything's as dangerous and as safe as they're pretending. Does that then create a moral standing or moral high ground for forcing people to take this? Well, there. <laughs> that's what's funny is the danger that they're pre- <laughs> they're pretending that it's only one percent lethal or less than one percent lethal. That's what's so crazy mm-hmm. is that that. <laughs> They've admitted it's it's clearly not right bad, but they're all saying the sky is falling and that but, it's that bad. Well, and we were talking, I think, about this a little bit before we started recording. Is that a lot of there's a lot of people who, despite the numbers being out there and publicly available, don't see them, and so believe that this virus has a ten percent fatality rate. They believe that they're acting like that, but they, they, on one hand, they'll say. Um, well, yeah, we know that we, we know we're just being compassionate for that small, for grandma or for that small percentage of people. On one hand, they'll say that, but they act like that it's, it's killing half of the people that come in contact with it. It's, it's this, I, again, I'm dazed and confused because it's just this strange illusory reality where, well, why didn't you act like that? Two years ago, right. or in 2018, right. when the flu always, was really bad, why, why haven't we, we always, always act like? acted like this? Why didn't we always wear masks? You know, if masks are uh, uh, effective at slowing the spread and protecting people, then we've been horrible, murderous people for ever because we've never done that before. We've never masked masked the entire population. Right. It's this huge hypocrisy. Why? And so why if the now? science changed, that's what Dr. Angela Dunn claimed, right? Well, the science changed. She doesn't say what science, how it changed, why it changed, when it changed. Or what the science is. Or what the science even is. But if the science... So so, so what she's essentially saying is that for the last, uh, you know, 100 plus years, we've been wrong. And now, over the last 18 months, we've been right. We would have no society. If we had been acting like this from the beginning, we would have no... We would be dead. Well, we would have all just died of respiratory viruses. No, we would starve to death because our economy would be locked up. Well, there's that, but also... 
our children our, would be unproductive. They'd be scared of each other. We wouldn't be able to have uh, societal intercourse. We wouldn't be able to trade. We'd be locked up. <laughs> well, that's a that's that that uh, raises some concerns about the future, doesn't it? It does. And these kids, these kids that are going to grow are growing up right now, believing that they are a danger to everyone else, and that everyone is a danger to them, is going to have some 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 I think significant impact on yeah. on on dating on child on birth rates you know people don't want to have kids because they don't want to date anybody because that person might get them sick well we, that's the big question is are, are we not kind of seeing people's the regular joes are disconnecting from the propaganda it's like they still have to go live their lives so we just well yeah and look these, we're, we're just moving around the roadblocks as much as we can football stadiums trying to the adapt country are packed that's a really good sign. Whether you like football or not, what it means is that... Football fans are dropping like flies. People, well, that's what Dr. Fauci said right at the beginning of the season. I don't think this is such a good idea. That was my Fauci. I don't think that was a very good Fauci. That's pretty good. I don't think this is such a good idea, you know? People, they're going to go get... They're going to cheer, they're going to loud, and they're going to scream and yell, and they're going to get sick and die. So get the vax. Now, there's a little caveat. That's a terrible Fauci, but you want a good Fauci impersonation, go find that comedian that we've linked to. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Tyler Tyler something or other. We'll, Tyler Fauci. <laughs> but there's a caveat. Some of these, some of these college campuses where these college where football games are occurring are requiring students to get vaccinated. And so people say, well, that's why it's safe. Now, there's plenty of people that are non-vaxxed at these events. I don't even know why we, we feel like you and I, Mr. Flood, feel like we have to support this. I, I support it, what? Like your your statement. You have to backtrack and say, well, yeah. No, what I'm saying gonna, somebody's gonna argue that the college kids are vaccinated. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that that's the counter argument is like, well, it's only safe because they're vaxxed. Those, I'm kinda those, tired of bringing it up. It's like Right. And and I think it's that's, such bullcrap. I think the regular people are too, and they're just going on with their lives. Like you said, they're just and in some cases, I know a few people firsthand that got vaccinated because their employer required it. Now, in some cases, these people are having some health issues. And it's like, well, are they related? And if they are, if the, if you can medically link that, then is that employer, can that employer be held liable? liable. Was, it, was it Idaho that just passed a law that employers who require the vaccination can be held accountable for bad outcomes? I sure hope they do or hope they did. Because that's one thing that's a really big red flag with all of this is if you take this thing, especially if you feel coerced or pressured into it, who is responsible for an adverse effect? Well, that's the difficulty with the vaccines is that the, the I mean, in, adverse effect to prove that the adverse effect right. was caused by the vaccine is well, is and, and be what they'll difficult. always just say is you chose to get this thing, even if you were forced into it, you chose it. You know, I think about the jazz, you know, someone could say, well, I, I wasn't going to get this, but I really like the jazz and I just spent a lot of money on season tickets. I'll go get this so I can go to the jazz games. They have a bad reaction and try to sue the jazz. That's not going to hold up. The jazz will say, we didn't force you to do it. You don't have to come to our games. And that's how it's manipulative and, and, and sneaky. And it's this implied force, this implied coercion. Now, for, for a lot of people, it's like, whatever. The jazz, you know, for me, I used to be a huge jazz fan. 
and a big NBA fan. And, and between the shutdowns, you know, and then the bubble season and all the propaganda, I've just checked out. I don't really care anymore. So it's no big deal for me to not to go to a game. Or they'll say, well, you can just get tested. You don't have to get the vaccine. Just provide a test. It's like, okay. But I'm not going to play that game. You, that's where my objections aren't to this. It's I'm not going to play your game. I'm 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 uh, Bill Murray. I'm need, not going to play by their rules anymore. anymore. <laughs> we, we need more people like that. And I that's that's the tipping point. It seems like we I don't know if we're getting to that tipping point or not because people's lives have to be affected enough that they'll go out and protest and, and take matters into their own hands. And what's happening is that their lives are being affected enough on the wrong side, meaning like if you don't get this thing, your life's going to be crap. You know, in Australia, the these, these government officials in Australia stand up and they just say it. And one of them recently said, the unvaccinated, you just aren't going to get your freedoms back unless you're vaccinated. Well, the, the state we need to be watching is Israel. They're about to require their fourth shot. So to be considered fully vaccinated, you're going to need four shots. Well, not only that, but their cases and their, their, their bad cases and their hospitalizations and their deaths are like shooting through the roof. Right. Their, their, their COVID problem is getting so large, the country of Sweden, which is the shining example of what everybody should have done, which was nothing— Right. Well, they didn't do nothing, but they did they pretty were much, minimalist. pretty close to nothing. But Sweden has stopped allowing people from Israel to enter their country because they have such terrible COVID crap That's going on. That's just because they're anti-Semitic. <laughs> okay, the Swedes. <laughs> just kidding, oh, Swedes. Okay. It's, a, it's a bad joke. Anti-Semitism. Well, that, that's, where did that go? Um, that's not an issue anymore, is it? Mm, I'm sure it is in I some... Some circles. Well, because now it's all about being anti-transgender. Well. Or homophobic or something. And actually, across the board, even just right here in Utah, cases. Sorry, racist, excuse me. Cases, you know, and I know you can't judge anything by cases, but last year at this time, well, there's two factors here. Last year at this time, cases were at a certain level. I don't remember what they were. This year, that's higher in Utah. There's more cases per day right now. Than right, but we're testing like ten times more we're, people. We're ca- we're testing far more people. Like I just kind of occasionally I'll just spot check like a, like certain days, and I I think I looked at September 9th, and I'm gonna re- I'm not gonna remember these exact numbers, but the proportions are correct. It's like se- September 9th of 2020, there was five thousand tests. September 9th of 2021, there was fifteen thousand tests. I don't know who who's getting tested. So they're what, testing three times as much as what you're saying. Yes, yeah, anywhere from two to three times as many as you as you just kind of look. Stop getting tested. Tell people to and, stop and, getting tested. And that's my that's a, that's a big question I've wondered is who the heck is getting tested right now? Well, the, well, the, forced, the mandates, again, the regulations, testing? the the regulations are going to cause that because you know if if you have to get a test to get into a jazz game or you have to get a test if you're working, right and that's one of your options, then that ramps up the number of tests that are taken, which right. ramps up the number of positives because... Which, oh, 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 the, the big, the, the funniest episode this week was when the two hosts on the television show The View, yeah. the propaganda show The View, right. got escorted off live on TV because they tested positive for COVID. Right before they were supposed to have the vice president 
on the program. So this was a big deal for those ladies. Yeah, I'm did sure they, they determine were. did they determine that they were false positives? Yeah, afterward, after the program they had they were retested and tested negative. But multiple they made, times. They made this big deal out of it. Well, you know, what if the first test was right and the second tests were wrong? <laughs> well, I mean, Doctor Fauci had, might argue that they were wrong the second time. They had no <laughs> symptoms. Well, but, but you can be asymptomatic. But they and, made this and be big a super spreader. Right. Right. Okay. They made this big deal of it. I watched the clip and Joy Behar, who is the primary host, I think, of the of the view, she said she said, I don't know how this could happen. They're vaccinated. This is her quote. They're vaccinated up the wazoo. We got vaccines everywhere around here. And it's like, that's not going to encourage me to take the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, so you're telling me that if I'm vaccinated up the wazoo, I can still test positive. But then there were false positives, which they, I think they thought we've got to, we, we've got to backtrack on this because people are saying, oh, look, the vaccines don't work. So we've got to get them. We've got to put. Got to make out sure there. that they're false positives. We've got to put it out there that they were false positives. They probably were accurate. Which what they don't understand is in either way, it either casts doubt on the vaccines, which there's plenty of reasons to doubt the vaccines, right. or it casts doubt on the tests, which there's plenty of reasons which we've been barking about for a long time about how unreliable and manipulative these tests can be, especially the PCR tests. It's all a lie. It's, it's all, all a lie. lie. All of it's a lie. You <laughs> should, that's, that's the thing. Okay, that's, that's that was what everybody... last week. If you're going to get anything from this episode or any of the episodes, you should be looking at the uh, mainstream media as if everything is a lie. Corporate media right now, it's all a lie. You should start from that basis. I'm going to mostly get lied to. Is there any truth here? Why am, I, why am I listening to this? Right. They are lying. Liars, liars, pants on fire. I saw a tweet. It said, if you want to have a great day, Stop listening to the news for a few years. <laughs> Good advice. And well, we we were talking a little bit also before the episode. Uh, maybe I'll post some links to some Catherine Austin Fitz stuff that I saw recently. She she's talked about in the past a concept called entrainment, where the uh, powers that be, wealthy interests corporations, whatever, will use subliminal messaging, not like they used to, where they just insert. You know, a few frames here or there. Popcorn. Yeah, they'll they'll insert what they call alpha waves or uh, you know sound waves or uh, other electronic stimuli that will make you feel good, make you feel euphoric, and, and make you want to buy their products or do what they say. And she, it was interesting because this was this was about. I was listening to this interview from about 10 years ago and she mentioned an experience she had had a few years prior to that. So we're talking 2005, 2006. This is shortly after she'd finally beat the justice department, beat all the, uh, spurious lawsuits that the government had and, and other entities had tried to bring against her for, for exposing the corruption in housing and urban development. And she, she was beginning to, uh, you know, start to teach about what she'd experienced, and she's putting all the pieces together. A lot of a lot of this material, a lot of what we know now about the conspiracy, was put together by pioneers like her and people like Alex Jones, uh, other other conspiracy researchers during the early two thousands. People like Dr. Stephen Jones, who got run out of BYU. Um, 
the, the, the list is too long. I can't remember who else I would put on that list right now, but there's a lot of good people that have wasted and worn out their lives trying to expose the hidden things of darkness so that we might know them. Enter to learn, okay. go forth to serve the oligarchy <laughs> so, and the deep state. So anyway, Catherine Austin Fitz was in this interview was talking about how she was giving a presentation, giving a speech in, say, the mid-2000s, and she asked her audience, she said, how many of you people out there watch television? And she said only about 10% of them raised their hands. And as she's putting the pieces together later on, she realizes that the the programming, the subliminal programming coming from the television. Now, now Bobby pointed out that this is a really good point is what what is considered television, right? Well, back in, say, 2005, we still had more traditional television mechanisms that were more widely watched. Right now, it's mostly cable. I don't know how many people really even watch over the air anymore, but most people are getting their stuff on demand. And so... By the way, if you want some TV, you can get over the air for free. All you need is a cheap digital antenna. Yeah, you need the little you receiver. You can hook that up to a television or even a computer. You can, it's a good way if you like to watch NFL football. Yeah, they, put, they do put a lot on cable. <laughs> you can get because most NFL football is on two, four, or five. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> and Fox has it too. Yeah, and Fox is on there. So, but but the. This this entrainment idea, this idea of inducing a euphoric state to get people to assimilate information uh, has been going on for a long time. And she, she points out that she realizes that er, early in the 2000s that the people that are following her work, people that are interested to know the truth, they have removed themselves from the entrainment mechanisms. Right. I think one of the reasons that NFL football is available over the air is and for free, and it needs to be made available to everybody is because they're using it to entrain people into certain ideas. Definitely. And whether that's the military or some of these social justice causes or whatever, that that's being done. And it's it's also done at college football games. We commented last week about the BYU football game, and I pointed out it was euphoric. It was the most incredible experience I've participated in in a long time. I got there an hour early and the fans, they, they were, the student sections were already full and they were yelling the whole time. Like they were just, yeah. they had them on a loop. It was, they, they literally had entrained this section of the population to do something. And it was incredible. It was, there was a palpable feeling of in some ways, being part of something and that there was this euphoria going on. In some on. ways, sports, especially live sports, are kind of related to Orwell's two minutes of hate. There are a chance where a bunch of people, where it's acceptable to yell and scream. And sometimes you can yell and scream obscenities, maybe not at a BYU football game, but you can get angry and you can you can scream at the ref and you can... You take out your energy against the other team. Right. And yeah, you, all, all of that pent-up frustration... But we're being trained. Spent. We're being trained. The two minutes of hate is now the twenty-four hours, seven days a week of hate. If the you, cable news cycle. If you get into the cable news, which is just hate, 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 hate. Even if you, you know, even if you think you're getting the truth from from like a Fox News or whatever, it's hate, 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 hate. And we've got to break out of that, just for your own for your own sake. You know, we've we've said this before. I've said this numerous times. Get off of social media as much as you can. Because it's 24 hours, 
of hate, 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 and especially now. And that's that's one of the things we're being trained to do is hate the other, right? That's not new, but the, but who the other is is shifting. And we're being trained to hate the unvaccinated. The white male is a, is a big boogeyman right now, especially a white male that isn't uh, weak and limp-wristed. Maybe, maybe we should do a whole episode on entrainment. This is essentially the theme of our podcast in general, the idea of the mind virus. And we're trying to break the the programming of the of the oligarchy, but we might we might want to do something about the specifics of it because I think if we were to take that pull of our listeners, most of our listeners have different habits relative to media than other people. They probably watch a lot less TV. They probably have for a long time, and they're they've seen the cracks in the foundation or the glitches in the matrix enough that they don't believe what they're getting and the and the issue is how to interface with people that do and how to break them out of it. Um, one, one of the problems we're experiencing is as a society, especially in the Mormon culture, is that you're told, well, we'll follow the Holy Spirit. If, if you have um, an institution that's promoting something regularly, and I think we talked about this last week, didn't we, that how you can, you can, feel guilty and think it's the Holy Spirit because it's just something that popped into your head or you can feel euphoric like you can you can be in a in a meeting where there's the singing and the discussion or whatever and you can feel really good and you can feel like that's the Holy Spirit but it may not be the truth that you're assimilating you might be getting false educational principles you might be feeling that it's right because people around you say it's right because of the peer pressure like you're at the football game that is a that is right. a big problem and i i'm going to link to on our podcast page these these interviews with Catherine Austin Fitz and some other really good uh people that she has on one, one of them's a a doctor that studies this stuff was it, it was a 10-year-old interview but th- this entrainment idea is a big, big deal because you, you, the listeners, I assume, and I, those people that uh, are listening to Eric Mutsos, I assume have some hold similar views that you care about what God is telling you. And that's, a, that's a difficult thing to try and discern when you're being influenced by somebody's propaganda, somebody's very, very strategic, very well-engineered, uh, technologically advanced propaganda machine or and and when i when i say that i mean i'm including the the group think in there i'm including the neighbors everybody else has been you know when you, when you have a when you have an organization that puts out material over and over and over again and and you go to the same places in the same media outlets over and over and over again everyone that participates in that is going to contribute to the mechanism so so you have to Ask yourself, is what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling really the Holy Spirit? Or I, am I being dazed and confused by this whole thing, you right. know? And and that's that's a hard thing to break out from. I know that this runs counter to what we're commonly told in, say, church circles, because a lot of times they'll just tell you to double down on, you know, church attendance and reading your scriptures. 
and I'm not saying you shouldn't go, but, but this is an experiment. I'm not saying you shouldn't read your scriptures, but I kind of am here. I'm saying, have you experimented with fasting from that? Have you, have, has, because if you're a conduit that can receive information from God, and if you can take a minute to try to think clearly by removing the noise, it would be, I think it's interesting to each of us to, to do that experiment and then come back and go, okay, what do I really think is true after having taken a break? And I, I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about everything, you know, right. social media or television or whatever. whatever the, maybe it's the Mind Virus podcast. Maybe you need to take a break from us. I would hope that, that the person that does that has enough good, solid, foundational truth in their psyche to, to at least think about. Because if you, don't, if, if you take a break from it and you only have their indoctrination in there, you're going to just go back to it like a dog to its vomit. But if we have enough foundational truth, and if you have those ideas in your mind, and you really are looking for truth, and you take the break, it should be the truth that remains, and the falsehood that you you begin to go, oh yeah, I I, I slept on it. That that financial endeavor that I was feeling so good about, you know, maybe that wasn't right because I I slept on it. I thought about it for a couple of days and did the math, and that doesn't appear to be helping me in the long run, you know, or. I, I was spending a lot of time on this particular endeavor in my life and I, I took a break from it and thought about it and came back and it it doesn't seem to be of, of value when I remove myself from it. A great way to a great way to do that, and I understand this may not be practical for everybody, but a great way to do that is to go somewhere where there is no internet and no no LTE, no five G, no nothing like the Highline Trail in the Uintas. Go go strap everything you need on your back and go hike that or something similar where you're almost, uh, where you can't, where you can't engage in social media and propaganda and news. And, you, you know, it's pretty quick. It's it, it, it happens pretty quick when you're in that kind of a situation. You realize what's important and all you need, you know, the things that you need are, are on your back and you either have it or you don't, or you figure out how to get it. You know, you run out of food. Well, the mountains have rivers and lakes with fish and deer and elk and berries and hope you can figure out which ones you can eat. <laughs> but the point is that's a great, that's an, that's cause it's hard. It's hard to getting unplug. into nature. It's hard to unplug because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Even in the local mountains here in Utah, um, you know, if you if you go up into some of these mountains in the Wasatch Front, you still have great cell phone coverage, which is awesome if you have a problem or mm-hmm. you know you want to tweet you don't want to tweet a photo out of you on top of the mountain in real time. But it's not. Are we great. that lost though, Bobby? I mean, I'm sorry to derail you, but yeah, we are, are we, that lost. We that lost. I mean, like we cannot discipline ourselves to turn it off. No, without having without going into the BFE. Well, I. We can, but I'm just saying going into somewhere where there isn't the coverage is is great. Yeah, it, it forces you to, especially if you take the Highline Trail because you go through, you start at one end and you've got to get out. So yeah. you, you have to get through the no coverage zone to A few years ago, we, went, we were in Yellowstone and we stayed at the old 
Yellowstone Lodge, right? The old the old hotel over by the Lake Lake Yellowstone. It's over by Old Faithful. Oh, so you stay at the Old Faithful Lodge, right? Okay, and it's um, beautiful place. They deliberately don't have great cell phone coverage there. There's no Wi-Fi, and the guests. This was pre-COVID, by the way, before we decided that everybody was a threat to our safety and well-being. Um, the guests were out in the lobby and in these chairs, and you know what they were doing? They were playing checkers. They were reading paper newspapers that had been provided. They were reading books. There was bookshelves, you know, with books there about the park and other things. They were talking to one another. They were meeting new people, people from around the country or the world back then. We had international travel at one point. It's hard to remember that. We're so speaking sad. to each other and making new friends. And my my kids were, they noticed it. They're like, there's nobody out here on their phones. And I said, well, the phones aren't working real well, are they? And they thought it was great. And it was it was a little bit of a throwback to what our culture used to be like. Now, go to go to a hotel lobby or somewhere, or even a family gathering, everybody's on their phones everybody's on their phones. It's a little safety blanket where if this conversation gets boring, well, at least I've got Twitter. Or I just, it's just, I think for a lot of people, myself included, it's just this physical, walk away from this table, Jordan, without your phone and see how long before you start feeling like, Oh, I know. You start shaking. I'm missing something. What am I, oh, where's my, oh man, where's my, I, why, why am I panicking? What, what's going on here? I don't have my little safety device. And so, yeah, I think we are that lost. I think it's really hard to get rid of these. I think we it's the it, zombie apocalypse. It, 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 and that I think, we are we are the zombies. I think one of the greatest super spreaders of the mind virus has been these devices, but speci- but even more specific, social media and the validation and the fake dopamine that we get from it. And we talked a little bit about that yeah, last yeah. week too. So mm. this has been a a confusing a, episode. A, a day, we're dazed and confused, and I, I'm sure a lot of you are, but. Remember, there is truth and there is clarity in all of this. And, and the challenge is, is to find that. And one of the best ways to do it is to cut out the noise as much as you can. Well, that might, th- that's the question. Is that the only way? No. But maybe. But maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think cutting out the noise might be different for everybody. Well, look, you listeners, if you're, again, if you're listening this long, you're probably different. You're probably, you know, <laughs> you're probably not necessarily part of the problem and you're trying to figure out how to be the part of the solution we but 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 there are things you individually need to do you need to get in touch with god and understand and and do so i think i think the advice is good advice it's just how how (laughs) how do we help other people break out How, how do we form community that's going to be lasting and and helpful and positive i've thought a lot about this and i don't know you know i've i've had some conversations with people and you throw you throw some data at them some numbers some facts and they don't want to hear it it's like a water off a duck's back they don't even care it's like well the news said the contrary so so one of the things i tried to do during all of this and still try to do is just be an example of sanity in you know, so I didn't wear masks. I'd go to the grocery store and I would literally be the only person in the whole store without a mask. And you would think that if everybody was that worried about dropping dro- dropping dead from a virus, they wouldn't go to the store to begin with. But mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that have done that. They've disengaged from society. I saw a person at the BYU football game 
wearing a mask and a face a face shield. But they I, wanted to come to the game. And they're like, well, you're doing this, but if you're so worried, maybe wouldn't you just stay home? Like it was really, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. There's a lot of disconnect here. But Disconnecting from the media can help people see that. Right. Well, and we can also, you can also see that here we are, you know, 18, 20 months into this and pe- people aren't just dropping dead at the football game or on the streets like the fake videos from China that we got in the beginning. But just be that example of, of happy, rational sanity. Don't wear the mask. And, and, you know, that's not quite this issue now. It used to be. But, uh, you know, what I would try to do, there was times where I would just go to the grocery store during the mask peak. And I just have my head down and I'd get what I needed. There's other times where I walked around with a stupid grin on my face yeah. and, and just, you know, hi, I'm here. Well, and- see, see, Bobby T, you happen to be uh, a good example. I'm more likely to just withdraw, you know, like, well, I don't even want to hang out with those people. I, yeah, I get that. And that's I a problem. That. That's a problem, right? Because they can't. Well, I, I saw a news story of some woman I've never heard of and no one's ever heard of, but it was published in one of these, you know, these these chic magazines like Vogue or something like that or Vanity Fair. And she says she's no longer inviting her unvaccinated friends to dinner parties. And a, two thoughts occurred to me. Number one, she's lying because all her friends and that stupid little circle she runs in are vaccinated. <laughs> and two, if if there were friends that were unvaccinated, they probably feel a great deal of relief that they no longer have to turn her down for her stupid pretentious dinner parties like i don't want to hang out these kind of people either so i understand what you're saying but there's certain things you can't withdraw from as we talked about earlier you've got to go to work you've got to go to you've got to go to the grocery store yeah but you can you can withdraw but here's here's maybe some advice not to go to the jazz games if they're gonna you know make you jump through those hoops you can choose to and and maybe you shouldn't be going to some of that stuff but here's what was said on the mountain he said, ye are the light of the world. And I would say that our podcast listeners probably qualify. Not everybody's the light of the world. Well, I've met a few of them. I don't know. <laughs> You've met some of the podcast listeners? One. <laughs> ye, <laughs> ye, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. <laughs> ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's a tall order. That's that's it's a really tall order. Yeah. And it's something we've all felt we've all failed at at different times, and I think we've we a lot of we us can have do better. succeeded. But right now, we need light. We need light and truth more than I can ever remember in my lifetime, or even maybe post. I think what we're going through is the worst social episode, socioeconomic, the greatest threat to our freedoms. It, it, dude, the this world's is ever it. seen, dude, at least in modern recorded dude. history. Dude, isn't that what you say on Twitter to get somebody's attention? Yeah, dude, 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 you you give us, you're the type of person that gives us a bad name, dude. We are, we are in it. <laughs> we are clearly in the thick of it. We, our society is having a very difficult time recovering from this scandal, from this, <laughs> what, would we, what would we call it? I don't want to call it a hoax. This wow. manipulation, that, and it's becoming very clear that it's a manipulation. We're, we're having a difficult time 
because the because the uh, oligarchy has been able to set in motion certain elements of the government, certain certain democratic, if you want to call them, governmental mechanisms that are just slowly like a like a wood chipper drawing us in and and shredding us as a society well, and as, as an American society. It's already happened in other countries. We're so afraid of this virus and we're so busy arguing well, uh, about masks and vi- and vi- vaccines yeah. that we're not even seeing the Well, the, I don't even demolition. know if the people are that afraid. It's just that the de- the demolitions occurring and I think a lot of people are going what what can we do about it? What can we do? Right? How how can we stop it? And so, when I say dude, dude, when I when I duded this whole thing and stopped the the thing is we this society is changing. I I do not hold out a lot of hope that we're going to get it back, but there will be some people that make it through, and they're going to have to maintain their principles, and they're going to have to maintain and increase their connection with God dramatically. So don't expect that it's going to go your way, but do be that person that is the light. Do be that person who understands and adheres to correct true good principles about society and and interacting with people and protecting people's agency, their God-given unalienable rights, be that person. Well, you're right. We're not going back. And the the only way out... There is no going back. The only way out is through. And what we come out into... On the other side of this, if there is another side, there is on. another side, right? There's another side, but we have to, we, right but now we're trying changing. to determine what yeah. what that other side looks like. Are we going to get going to be a liberty based society ever again? I don't know. I don't know. Well, if you live on the coasts, probably not. If you live on the coasts, you're probably welcoming all of this. Well, there's a statistical right. chance that you're in that majority but i mean i i I don't know that it was a fair uh, election but uh gavin newsom easily won the recall election well the good news is 35 percent of california doesn't like him that's still yeah that's unfortunate because california doesn't protect the rights of the minority right well we probably should wrap this one up this this is going downhill fast i hate to be the the podcast (laughs) (laughs) the society is is uh going through what we would call a fourth turning we're going through a a dramatic change and things are going to be different and we need to reconcile with that the jews that left nazi germany in 1938 had a completely different experience than those that stayed i'm not saying that there is a free country that we could flee to if if there was, I think we'd be talking about New it, right? New Zealand. Okay. If, if there were a place we could go, I think we, we would flee to it. The, the one thing we've talked about off and on is what makes a good society, and we've discussed Zion, the concept of Zion. I'm not saying that I know where that is, or I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say you should pack up and head for the hills yet, but... It does say in Doctrine and Covenants section 45 that those people that don't want to take up arms against their neighbors flee to Zion. They have to flee to Zion. They've got to find some principled place that is not going to devolve into anarchy or devolve into 
anarchy slash tyranny. That, that's what we're looking for. And I hope that you all recognize that and that you're taking the appropriate steps, which number one would be get in touch with God to figure that out. I hope that's you. Thanks, everybody. And uh, remember, if you're listening to this, we are your single source of truth. <laughs> Wait, I got that wrong. You got that? <laughs> if you're listening... <laughs> that's the that's, New Zealand that's, sorry, that's Prime New Minister, Zealand. not... Bob, what Bobby meant to say is God is your single source of truth. You have the capacity to connect with God. You have the capacity to receive light and knowledge independent of the noise going on. And I think if you're listening to this, you understand that something is not right out there. And I think that's one way you talked about reaching other people. I think that's, I think that a lot of people understand whether they're completely uh, awake and are doing you know listening to Catherine Austin Fitz videos and Alex Jones and researching the oligarchy or things like that they can understand that something is wrong fundamentally wrong and broken something in their soul in their heart in their mind is telling them something is amiss and we can build on that because something is wrong there's a lot of things wrong and ultimately <clears throat> Ultimately, the thing that is wrong is that we have rejected God in our society, in our culture, and even in our churches. And we need to, as Jordan uh, often and just, just, just you know, recently told us, get in touch with God. Find out how to do that. Find everybody, you know, we're all different. We have different spiritual gifts. And so the way that you and God communicate might be different than the way that me and him do it. But figure it out. And then act accordingly. And there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And we, I think, collectively have the power to fix that and to bring light into the world and to be the light of the world. That's right. Jesus claims the title Spirit of Truth. Go reread Doctrine and Covenants, section 93. He is the Spirit of Truth. There's a reason that he embodies truth. Truth is what we seek. And she is the Spirit of Wisdom. She is the tree of life. Go read Proverbs chapters 1 through 8 and read about wisdom in her feminine guise. When you say she, you mean Yacinda Ardern, right? (laughs) Heaven forbid, Bobby. (laughs) We're trying to close this out on a positive note, and you cannot leave New Zealand out of it. I always have to read everything. (laughs) we, we, We have a family above us looking out for us. He is the spirit of truth. She is the spirit of wisdom, and she has been widely ostracized and forgotten. Read Proverbs. Read it. Read the right. f- first eight, ten chapters. Well, in a lot of these movies we've kind of mentioned and looked at, there is a feminine character. Oftentimes it's the love interest. Well, the, the man who, is always having to find her. Who is seeking her, and she is also a source of truth and wisdom. Truman Show, uh, Groundhog Day, it's all there. Well, ponder on it. What's the difference between truth and wisdom? Ponderize. Is there... Ponderized. Ponderized. <laughs> okay, we're never going to be able to do it. <laughs> we, there's something there, listeners. There's something there. Think about it. All right, guys. We, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you for listening and for sharing. God bless you. And I, I hope you're not as dazed as, and confused as Jordan and myself are today. But uh, we will be back again next week. Again, you're listening to the Mind Virus podcast. Find us at mindvirus.show on the web. And, of course, your favorite podcast aggregator share with your friends share with your enemies 
We know you don't have enemies, but share the podcast. That'd be great. Thanks, everybody. Everybody have a great week. We are signing off.